Welcome to episode 147 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Below, and I am so happy that you have joined me today. If you've been part of my community for a while, you know that one of my favorite topics is comfort zones. Not about how to break out of them, but how to lean into them as a restorative place, a space where our introvert need to recharge through solitude and lower stimulation situations can be honored. I've spoken of it literally and figuratively. There's the literal comfort zone that includes whatever material possessions or places make us happy and whole, whether that's being out in nature, with animals, napping on the couch in the sun, or reading a good book. It's basically any situation where we can turn down the volume on life for a little while. Then there are figurative comfort zones, the ones that most of the motivational quotes tell us to get out of. Those are the places where we aren't particularly challenged, where there's a certain amount of predictability and we feel competent. When we know we're about to be stretched, I think of my comfort zone as my launching pad. By starting with those actions that I feel comfortable with, I have a firm ground under my feet so that I can make the leap from a place of security. The comfort zone becomes a place in which I can build up my courage and rack up some wins so that I have evidence to draw on that says that I can do it. Then I stretch that comfort zone little by little, and it gets bigger, and things that used to be scary aren't quite as scary anymore. I keep stretching, and my capacity, along with my confidence, grows. More than confidence, though, I start to build trust in myself, and I build that trust that I can handle whatever happens to me inside or outside of my comfort zone. My guest today is Andy Malinsky, and he's here to build on that message and give us tips on how to stretch our comfort zone while minimizing stress. I really appreciate his perspective and what he has contributed to seeing our comfort zones as part of our cycle of personal growth. Before I move into that conversation, though, I want to offer you a quick reminder that the next Virtual Networking for Introverts event is just around the corner. It happens on Thursday, March 23rd. And our special guest presenter is a personal friend of mine and someone that I deeply respect and trust, and that is Arden Kleiss of Kleiss Etiquette. Arden is going to share advice on how to navigate some of our most awkward networking dilemmas, such as how to easily start and gracefully leave conversations with people that you meet at events. You know, that feeling when you walk in the room and you see everybody already talking and you're not sure how to break in and and how to introduce yourself. She's going to help us with things like that. After Arden's presentation, we'll move into small group networking. And at the end of the event, you'll come away with increased confidence, meaningful connections, and more resources to support your success. You can register online at theintrovertentrepreneur.com slash virtual networking introverts. And that link will be part of the episode show notes. I'm delighted now to introduce you to my guest, Andy Malinsky. Andy is a professor of psychology and organizational behavior at Brandeis University, and he's the author of the new Penguin Random House book called Reach, a new strategy to step outside your comfort zone, build confidence, and rise to the challenge. 
Hi, Andy. Welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I am happy to be chatting with you today about comfort zones. Thanks for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Well, what is making you smile today? Well, what's oh, making me smile today? Uh, I don't know. I just finished teaching. I'm a professor at uh, Brandeis University in Boston, and I just finished teaching my, my, my undergrads. And I don't know. There's something inspiring about working with undergrads. So I always, I always, I always am in a good mood after I after I teach, even though it's tiring. It's you know three three yeah. hours, but I'm yeah, it makes me happy. So I, I would yeah. I remember those long classes. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, no, it's not one long class. It's two, it's 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 back to back. So so uh. it's ba- it's two back to back shorter classes, but they're they're awesome. So I, I would say that that's my uh, that's my smile of the day. Awesome. Sounds like a happy place, too. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well, to give our listeners some context as we jump into this conversation, um, I'd like to hear a little bit about where you think you fall on the introvert-extrovert spectrum, and how has that awareness influenced your professional path? It's a really good question, you know, because, um, so I'm an organizational psychologist, and I, I actually you know, give people the test. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I sort of, I've, and, and I give my students the test and so on. And I've always, um, I've always thought that I was more, I would say, extroverted than, than introverted. And I, I, for, I had previously scored that on personality tests, but I have to say, I was telling this to my wife the other day, I, who is an introvert. I, um, I think I'm becoming more introverted or more of a combination or somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. Um, over time, I noticed, for instance, that, um, you know, I, I noticed myself, um, after a social, um, situation or a fairly intense professional slash social, social situation, when it, when I'm done, I kind of, I kind of used to feel energized by these. And now I, f- I think I feel depleted mm. and I just kind of want to like, you know, nestle in with, for me, it's not as much reading a book. It's more watching like a mindless reality TV show. Exactly. <laughs> But it's like, I think I'm, I don't know. I don't really know what I am, to be honest, I would say. And in terms of influencing me professionally, I mean, I think about these things all the time because my profession is, you know, I'm, I'm a writer and I also am I'm a professor and, a, you know, I do consulting and so on. But but um, I don't know how it how it necessarily influences me. But um, but. I've noticed the difference, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know, having some sort of awareness about at least what you need in the moment is, and being able to um, honor that is probably part of what sustains you and helps you keep some balance. And I'm, and I'm wondering if you are kind of, um, you know, amb- in that ambivert category of being able to kind of switch gears depending on what the situation is and to do so relatively easily. Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. I mean, I, I certainly can act in in extroverted contexts. I do a lot of you know public speaking. I do a lot of keynote speaking, and I've mm-hmm. I've taught for many 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 years. And you know, when I first started teaching, I was terrified to be in front of a group. When I first started giving speeches, frankly, I avoided giving speeches for years. You know, like I was terrified of doing that. Now it's been it's been so long yeah. that I'm I'm fairly comfortable doing it. But you know, there's one thing about sort of acting in sort of an extroverted style, and there's another thing having that be like your your genuine nature. And I'm mm-hmm. not. I always I, I always thought the two were aligned more than they are, and I think maybe maybe I'm not as aligned as I thought I was. Yeah. So it's 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 sort of a discovery process that I'm in the middle of. I think. Nice, nice. Well, I would I want to jump into talking about your new book, Reach. 
And I'd love to hear some backstory about, you know, how did you become interested in the topic of comfort zones and how to break out of them? Sure. So, um, so the book's about um, it's it, the book's about acting outside your comfort zone. You know wh- why why it's so hard, ha- how we avoid doing it, and then how we can be more successful. And you know, I think the book the book emerged from I think multiple sources. So my first, I actually wrote a prior book in 2013, and that book was about acting outside your cultural comfort zone. So for many many years, I studied and worked with people who were adapting behavior across cultures. Um, including myself, I lived abroad twice, and that book was called Global Dexterity. And I got a lot of really nice feedback from the book, and I, but I started to get, uh, you know, about the from 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 people who live, work, or study across cultures. But I started getting notes on LinkedIn and, and emails and so on from people who had read the book and found it really interesting, but had nothing to do with culture. And I was sort of intrigued. And they they said that you know what, the book's really about crossing. It, it's about transitions. It's about acting outside your comfort zone. And sure, national culture is an example, but there's so many other examples. I got, for instance, I'd get a, I got one note from an engineer uh, who had to go into sales, and for him, it was, it was such a, mm-hmm. um, a difficult transition to move from the mindset and sort of, you know, interpersonal style of being an engineer to being in sales. It was very discomforting and very difficult for him. And and he said that the book was helpful, and so it got me thinking. I wrote a trial balloon article in Harvard Business Review. Um, I think it was called something like uh, uh, "Get Out of Your Comfort Zone: A Guide for the Terrified" or something, something like that. It, and it kind of got a <laughs> nice. lot of feedback. Like I kept getting, I got more and more feedback about it. And then I had this epiphany that I don't know why I didn't think about this, but for you know, it's it, maybe it's because I sort of separated my two lives, my sort of popular book writing life from my academic life, and. I realized that in in my academic life, I had mm-hmm. been doing research for several years about uh, people who have to do tasks that are outside their comfort zone. I called them necessary evils. So like managers who have to fire people mm-hmm. or lay people off. I studied eviction officers, um, evicting people from their homes. I even did a ride along and, and, and witnessed 20 of them during one day. Um, I studied uh, – yeah, I studied um, – wow. uh, uh, police, uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, doctors performing painful procedures uh, on children. These were pediatric physicians and so on. Mm-hmm. So I realized that this is sort of a topic, this idea of comfort zones had been in my mind. And, and then the final piece, and I'll, I'll end here, is, is that, um, is that I, I started to reflect on my own life and my own experience. And, 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 and I, I've always struggled stepping outside my comfort zone. It's ironic. You know, I'm writing a, I wrote a book about stepping outside my comfort mm-hmm. zone. I'm, I'm definitely not the expert, <laughs> yeah. but I, you know, but I think a lot about yeah. it. And, um, you know, I, I was the kid in class and in college who never said anything. And my heart would beat every time I started to think of saying something, I'd raise my hand, I'd put it down, I'd raise my hand and so on. And many situations, um, speaking and teaching and being assertive and so on. And so, I've learned and I've grown and I've developed and I've sort of learned to step outside my comfort zone with fits and starts and one step forward, two steps backwards and so on. So I think all those things came together to inspire me. Yeah. Well, thank thank you for following the intuition to to write this um, because like you said, you're like we might not be the expert, but we often will write or talk about what we need to learn ourselves. <laughs> and, and that's part of our own journey. And uh, and so it's great that you, you um, followed that path. And I, I'm curious when you think back to, is, is there anything like you can remember a specific pivot point or um, – 
incident or situation where either in the moment or looking back that your comfort zone was broken like you you know you you realized that you were in point a and then you were in point b yeah um you know i i think i think for me to be honest it's sort of interesting it's been it's been this sort of trans sort of like transfer from being an academic writing academic papers speaking to academic audiences and so on and now I do some of that still, of course, but but I now um, I write for popular audiences. I write, you know, I've written this is my second mm-hmm. book, and I write for Harvard Business Review and Inc.com and Psychology Today and so on. And I tweet <laughs> like I, you know, that that's been like the biggest thing. Like I was not a social media person mm-hmm. prior to 2000, whatever, 13 or whenever my first book. I I, I didn't even have a Facebook account. I. I I didn't really want to kind of put myself out there and so on. And I think that's been a major stepping outside my comfort zone to, to sort of transition to sort of opening myself up to a general audience to start to, to use social media. And, you know, um, I, I still cringe sometimes when I send out something that seems sort of self promotional and, yeah. you know, it's, but, but I, not that I'm like super comfortable with it, but I think I've come to, I've come to learn why it it matters and why it's important and how it's a way to connect with people. And I have a very different view of it now. And I think that's been a real journey for me in terms of comfort zones. Ironically, in the context of my book, which is about stepping outside comfort zones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I, you make the point in the in the book that what's often missing in motivational messages is the how of moving out of your comfort zone. And and I when we connected about doing this podcast, I shared with you because I thought, well, I should be transparent that, you know, one of my messages has been about not shaming comfort zones, like they actually do serve a purpose. And I think that's often my resistance to some of the pithy sayings that you know, they act like all you have to do is say, just do it. And that's all you need to do, you know, end of story. Um, But we both know, you know, that there's more to it than that. Um, So what have you learned about the how of stretching outside of one's comfort zone? What's that bridge? Yeah, that's, it's a great point, you know, and I, I, let me just, can I, if it's okay, I'd love just to say a word about what you said, because I really agree with you. Um, when I started this project, of course, I, I went to Google as well, like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. I Googled comfort yep. zone, and you, you see people leaping off bridges and <laughs> exactly. you, know, s- s- you know, sayings about like the, the you know, nothing ever happened, nothing ever grows inside your comfort zone. Yeah. And, you know, life only begins at the end of your comfort zone and so on. And yeah, I know they're motivational messages, but, you know, I, I think that there's something to comfort zones too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, I, I think we've got a lot of situations in our lives um, and in certain in, in, in certain situations, you might not be ready to step outside your comfort zone or maybe, you're com- maybe you just love being in your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And although, you know, a, a little thought exercise I sometimes play with myself is – it, um, I asked myself, you know, it, if I could sort of have a magic wand and erase any anxiety or fear I have about something that I'm thinking about, you know, potentially stepping outside my comfort zone, if I could erase the anxiety and fear about it, mm-hmm. would it be some? Would it be something I'd want to do? You know, and, and if the answer is if the answer is yes, then m- maybe it does make sense to to kind of use some of the tools I talk about in the book that I learned from my research about stepping outside your comfort zone. But if the answer is no, that 
it's just, you know, it's not something that you're into, then, you know, maybe it's actually perfectly appropriate and actually quite good to stay in your comfort zone. I remember um, many, many years ago, um, I was thinking, I've always wanted to sort of make, make a difference in the world, so to speak, you know, to speak to just, you know, everybody, regular people, not just academics or anything. And and I remember I was really interested in doing this, but um, but I was also on the path to getting tenure in an academic system. And for that, you really need to write research papers and so on. And so I remember feeling a conflict very early on in my career. And I, and, and I was, and it would have been outside my comfort zone to try to do the more practical stuff, speaking to a general audience. But I was trying to get tenure, which is a lot of work. I had a new baby. We had a new child. I was getting like, I was trying to like, I was teaching full time as well. I was like operating on like three hours sleep, like hallucinating in class. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> like, and it's, and it's like, you know, is that the time? Speak about like yeah. comfort zones. Is that, is that the time to step outside your comfort zone? I don't, I, I simply don't think I had it in me. And I think it was actually probably wise to, to kind of wait. So, yeah. so I guess my, my, I just wanted to say before I, you know, we could talk about the tools and strategies and so on, but I, I just want to say what you said, what you said resonated with me. So I wanted to mention that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I appreciate that point of also about timing. Because, you know, there's probably a, a series of questions that you can check in with yourself and say, and one of those would be, is this the right time to make that kind of leap or take that kind of risk? And the answer might be no, and that's okay. Um, but the, the, I think the, the key is keep checking back with yourself, especially if whatever it is that you want to stretch into keeps coming up because that tells you that there's something important there getting your attention. And, and I agree. And, and if you keep telling yourself it's not the right time, it might be a rationalization. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It might be procrastination, rationalization, justification. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So so let's say we, we have decided, okay, it's time. How do we, what, what have you learned about how to do that? So in my research, I, I, um, I spoke with people from lots of different professions. I wanted to try to, and, and also lots of different contexts. I wanted to try to um, to try to get something that was really general. So these are, you know, managers and entrepreneurs, they're doctors lawyers, um, stay-at-home moms going back into the workforce, rabbis, priests, even a goat farmer, which is was sort of, was sort, of <laughs> uh, sort of a funny, <laughs> funny, funny backstory to that one. Uh, but um, so, so there are three things that I, that I found. Um, one was conviction, uh, how, how just essential it was to have a deep sense of purpose, you know, um, uh, to, to, to really feel deep down the reasons to locate them and embrace them, the reasons why, why, why it matters to you, that, that gives you the, the motivation, that drive, that sense of purpose to, to sort of say yes, when every bone psychologically in your body is saying no. Okay. And, and that sense, that sense of conviction can be many things. And it's very personal, you know, for some people, it could be very sort of professional and instrumental. It could be that you, you really want to get that promotion, you really want to succeed, you've always had your eye on being a leader, and so on, it could also be very personal, it could be you know, you're, you're a parent, like sometimes for me, I'm, I think to myself, I'm a parent. And I think, you know, like I tell my kids, I want them to be brave and step outside their comfort zone and try new things. And, you know, 
you know, dad's going to step up here. <laughs> like I got to do it yeah, too. Yeah. You, know? you have to model. Exactly. Yeah. And so that, that, that can be a very powerful source of conviction. So conviction, wherever it comes from and however it happens, I think that's essential. The second one is customization, mm-hmm. uh, customization. And, you know, that was, I have to say that was the biggest surprise uh, um, in doing this research. Um, how, and what I mean by customization, it's almost like, like imagine you're a tailor and you have a new, you know, a new suit or, or a new, I'm venturing out of my comfort zone talking about women's clothes. <laughs> I don't know much about this, but like, like, I'll say it's, I'll, I'll write a dress. I suppose. Right. There you go. Uh, a suit uh, for me, at least, you know, like, like uh, you bring it to the table, like f- very few people uh, buy a suit and it just kind of fits perfectly. Maybe some people do, but for me, I always have to bring it to the tailor and tweak mm-hmm. it a little bit, right. You know, to make it your own. That's a metaphor for what I think we can do a lot with situations. I think we have more power than we think to kind of tweak situations in a way that makes them slightly more comfortable for us, which is, which, which that little edge that you get there might be just enough to help you get over the hump. So for example, if you're, if you're really afraid of networking um, and, and you get intimidated by big, noisy, crowded and, you know, networking events, you might, you might tweak it by bringing a friend. Mm-hmm. You might you might tweak it by wearing that power suit that makes you feel confident. Yep. You might you might tweak it. I have a I used to wear a lucky ring whenever I used to give a speech. Mm-hmm. Um, you might you might also tweak it by going early. You know, a loud, busy, noisy, intimidating event is usually less loud, less busy, less intimidating at the very beginning. So you might do that. You might you know th- there are all sorts of ways. I I had a funny example the other day. Someone told me funny, but also really poignant. I think. Um, one of my MBA students is very, um, she's shy, I would say. She has a hard time in social situations. And she she, she actually has a hobby. She loves taking photos. Mm-hmm. And she, she had this epiphany to, to bring a selfie stick to <laughs> to social social gatherings and it like it was like this to her it was this it it like had this magical effect and she all of a sudden had a prop to help her engage with people and people were psyched about it and it enabled her to get their numbers and so on to to like exchange photos and it was just a great way to catalyze Mm. it for her so my point here is that customization you, you tend to have more power than you think to make even subtle tweaks that that make a difference so you've got basically conviction customization the last one is clarity and what clarity is is that i think in a lot of situations outside our comfort zones we can tend to catastrophize we tend to have exaggerated sort of negative views of the worst case scenario you know if we're giving a speech i'm i'm, I'm going to be an utter failure a complete failure i definitely can't do this um, we fixate on the real extreme negative or or sometimes we actually fixate on the other extreme on the on the sort of unrealistic best case mm. like unless i'm like ted talk extraordinaire I'm, I'm not giving a speech and and the reality is that of course there's a big middle ground a big gray area and i think clarity has to do with it's almost like imagine the metaphor of like rough seas and these seas are swinging you back and forth swinging you to the worst case swinging you to the this unrealistic best case and i think to have that grounding to have that anchor to anchor yourself in the midst of these feelings these anxieties or fears uh, or worries i think clarity is really important and i kept seeing that time and time again that people who are able to have that more realistic sort of appraisal Mm -hmm. of the situation had an easier time stepping outside their comfort zone. Nice. So we have conviction, clarity, and um, and customization. customization. Yes, thank you. (laughs) 
And in order to embrace any one of those um, hows, we're probably going to encounter some challenges first. And you outlined some very specific challenges in the book. And there was one I was, and I and I encourage people to get the book so you can learn all about them all. Um, but there was one that jumped out to me, and that was the resentment challenge. It seems like introverts might be particularly susceptible to that one because we're often trying to fit into an extroverted culture and we can resent and therefore resist the pressures and expectations that are put on us to act in a certain way that runs contrary to our nature. And then you can take that even, you know, to other areas and say we can also resent that we must engage in self-promotion, preferring that our work speak for itself, which is something I hear from, from clients a lot, like, why, why doesn't my work just speak for itself? And so can you tell us a little bit more about the resentment challenge and how to address it when we are really wanting, you know, we have the conviction, we want to get out of our comfort zone? You nailed it. You got it. That's exactly what it is. And it's, you know, it's um, one of it's one of several, you know, you can some simultaneously. Another of the challenges is authenticity. So you, you might feel resentful that you have to do the things that mm-hmm. you just mentioned, plus, yeah. you know, like compl- feeling that anticipating how incredibly inauthentic it would feel <laughs> to, to be doing those, right? And that's exactly, like, and exactly. That's, it's like a double whammy. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that um, I th- w- w- what, I, what I found in, in the, way that I, the way that I think about it is that those fears, those concerns, which are legitimate, I call them psychological roadblocks, the authenticity and, you know, resentment and sev- several others, they're real. You, you you can't sort of snap your fingers and make them go away. Mm-hmm. Um, but but with a deep conviction in the underlying goals that you, that you really want to achieve, um, w- with that way of customizing and making the situation a little bit more comfortable for yourself, and then trying to have the clarity around you know the worst and best case scenarios, and then that middle ground. What I found was that when people were able to apply these tools, it didn't make the feelings of resentment or um, inauthenticity and so on go away, but it enabled people to take a leap despite that. Mm -hmm. And, and then what happened, what happened was that once people took a leap, they had some discoveries. And I, this is something also that was so interesting to me across so many different cases and contexts that people often, not always, but people often discovered two things when they finally actually did take the leap. The first thing was, this isn't as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and, this, and, this, and the second one is that I'm actually a little bit better at this than I thought I was. Mm, yeah. And, and you know what, as I'm saying, it doesn't happen in every single circumstance, but in so many circumstances, I kept hearing it. And what that then does is like, it's sort of like, it's like the, the anticipated fears and then the sort of reality after you've taken the leap, the reality after you've taken the leap more often than not, I think it gives you further motivation to keep trying, keep honing, to keep finding ways of customizing, to, to embrace those feelings of conviction and so on and to try it again. And when you try it again and again and over time, you start to craft a way of doing it and an identity around it that en- it ends up sort of becoming kind of your own mm-hmm, in a way. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think it, it just is a whole different situation and experience than it was on the other side of fear. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When, on, on, on the side of having 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 avoided it. It's a very different sort of, you're in a very different psychological place. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, you're making me think about how sometimes I will look at it and say, you you named this when you said, you know, we have those fears. And I think we sort of catastrophize. And like, uh, the way I think of it is shifting from like, I don't know what's going to happen to curiosity and saying, I wonder what's going to happen. Yeah. And that small shift in energy and um, letting go of those stories and assumptions and limiting beliefs that we have um, is often, you know, a a way that you can uh, pivot a little bit to being able to take that leap and and trust um, that, like you said, and I love that, you know, maybe you're better than you thought you were going to be at it, or maybe it's not going to be as bad as you thought or as hard as you thought. Um, That's so important to remember. It's interesting how, you know, it's the the it's fairly simplistic to say that it's all about taking a leap. The the tipping mm-hmm. point is taking a leap. And and when you go on the internet and you read just take a leap, take a leap, take a leap, you know, <laughs> and uh, there's a grain of truth to that. The the leap, the actual leap is essential because then you have the opportunity to have those discoveries, right, about yourself. But the thing is is that it's not it's not as easy as it's portrayed on the internet <laughs> to take a right. look. Right. And that, that's the misnomer. That's the myth. It, the myth is not about the impact or importance of taking the leap. It's about what it requires in order to do it. Yeah, all that backstory and lead up. Um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, when, as you were talking, I was picturing um, um, long jumpers. I, I think it's a long jumper or, you know, like the, the, the whatever the Olympic sport, you know, where they're running, 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 and then they jump. And it's, yeah, the, 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 the thing that's measured or, you know, recorded for history is the leap itself, but they could not make that leap without that long lead up to it. And that is where probably most of the effort is expended. <laughs> That's a really, that's a great metaphor. I, I, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. So it, I, I so appreciate you've given us some really, actually very introvert friendly tools. And and um, the the one thing I'm taking away particularly is that customization piece. Um, it's such a powerful reminder. And I love the tailor metaphor because it reminds us one size does not fit all. <laughs> and, um, exactly. and it's totally okay to make it your own and shorten the sleeves and lengthen legs, you know, and all of that kind of stuff that, that we need to do to... Um, make it right for us. Like you said, we have more power than we think. And, um, and that's one of the points of many that I really appreciate from this. So thank you. Yeah. Well, I want to wrap up the conversation with a question that I ask all of my guests. And um, as a as an author with your second book and a child and school and everything else, this might sound really good to you. Um, I'm waving a magic wand and you are granted a three week vacation on Introvert Island. All expenses paid. <laughs> and and uh, you can take three books with you for those three weeks. What would you take with you and why? Wow. <laughs> um I like the island part. Um, it's interesting. I don't. It's a good question. You know, I um, I I tend to go for um, uh, nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, what I probably would bring, and I maybe this isn't like the answer you're expecting, but this this like this is what pops into my head. I might bring cookbooks. Excellent. <laughs> I I love to cook, and I love reading cookbooks. And I might bring cookbooks. That's what I would bring. Um, there's a, there's a book I love to, I like to cook and I also love to bake. And there's a, um, there's a, uh, a cookbook author and a baker who I love named Dory Greenspan. 
and I might bring a couple of her books and really sort of, you know, read them through and learn the recipes and sort of get inspired. So nice. Well, that, <laughs> it's, it's a little lot. Well, it seems like that fits perfectly with comfort zones because for a lot of people, food is a comfort zone issue. I mean, I think of myself and the first time a, a friend in college said she wanted to go to a Thai restaurant, I was like, what? <laughs> you know, I, you know, talk hmm. about totally outside my comfort zone because I was thinking spicy and exotic and I don't know what I'm eating. Um, so, so that was a, a stretch, but now, you know, I'm like, bring it on, you know. Um, do, you, do you have a food or a cuisine or an ethnic dish or something, you know, that is a, is a stretch for you? Um, let's see. Uh, Thai definitely would be because I'm allergic to peanuts, but that might be too much of a stretch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't want it to be a deadly <laughs> that stretch. Would lend me, that, would, that might land me in the hospital. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think for me, um, a cuisine that would be a stretch – yeah, they're probably something like African. Uh, I haven't eaten much African, you know, cuisine from African countries. I've eaten, uh, you know, we, we eat a lot of Mexican where I am. We eat a lot of Indian, a lot of Chinese and so on. Those aren't as much a stretch, although Indian at one point was quite a stretch. I you know, I grew up in a, in a world where... I mean, the most exotic food I had growing up, I think, was probably pizza. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, Me too. It was like Pizza Hut, woohoo! <laughs> <yeah. laughs> you know, and Mexican was Taco Bell. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. What, at one point in time, Indian was a huge stretch for me, but not anymore. Yeah. So, no, yeah. I think that's that's the fun. That's the fun of it. Um, to to you, there's always new cuisines to try. So I'm a I'm a big uh, fan of of that. Yeah, nice. Well, and it strikes me if if somebody is um, really in those early stages of stretching a comfort zone in anything, um, you know, like look for something that feels like it's low risk to just kind of try it out. And food might be one of those things, you know, unless it's peanuts and you have a peanut allergy, you know. Um, but to to find ways that you can stretch and go outside that zone that aren't quite don't have as big of consequences as maybe some other things that you're thinking about in, in that spirit of like practicing and uh, building that muscle and food seems like a good one to do that with. Yeah, there's no question. And also food. I mean, if you're in business, if you do international business, mm -hmm. going outside your comfort zone and eating food might actually be quite yes. important for sealing yeah. the deal. Yeah. So, so, you know, there's a, there's actually like a, a business reason to it if that's your if that's your field. Absolutely. Too. Yeah. Great point. Well, um, so, uh, Andy, what is the best way for people to reach out to you, connect with you and learn more about um, you and your book Reach? Yeah, I love I love to hear from people. So um so I have a I have a website and um it's uh it's you know www.andymolinsky.com. It's A N D Y M O L I N S K Y. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook and in LinkedIn and you know in 2013 I was quite tentative and uncomfortable on these, but in 2017 I'm all in. I'm all in. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, please you know, reach out and uh and I, lo I love to hear from people. I, got, I have tons of um, resources on my website, and there's lots of cool stuff to check out. So, you know, please come visit. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Andy. It's been a true pleasure chatting with you, and I wish you outrageous success <laughs> with Reach. And uh, thanks for taking time to chat with us. Yeah, this is great. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So what are you ready to do to stretch and even step outside your comfort zone? I recently shared with friends on Facebook that I had signed up for a creative nonfiction online course and that 
I was, in fact, quite nervous about it. It kind of surprised me that I had butterflies in my stomach as I completed the registration form. After all, I have written a nonfiction book, so why would I be nervous? As my friends reminded me, there's great value in being a lifelong learner, and especially in continuous learning in a topic that we've grown comfortable with. If I'm super honest with myself, I'm nervous because it's going to challenge my personal story that I have no stories, <laughs> that nothing interesting has happened to me, certainly nothing worth sharing in writing or that people would care to read about. Ironically, I've written about that state of feeling painfully normal in the past, and now I need to remember my own advice, that we all have a story worth telling. Even the most outwardly ordinary life has extraordinary depth and meaning, and it includes experiences that no one has ever had before and no one will have in the future. I want to learn to be a better teller and finder of those stories. And that's going to take me into new areas. And that's where I'm going to feel that stretch of my comfort zone. And when I frame it that way, it makes it a little bit easier to turn that nervousness into excitement. So back to my question to you. What are you ready to do that will stretch your comfort zone? What would take you outside of it? And how can you do it in such a way that builds on your already established strengths and skills? I challenge you. This is a coach's challenge, as I would call it with my clients. Pick one thing over the next week that will, you maybe you've had an inkling of curiosity about it, or you've looked at it and said, hmm, that looks really interesting. Well, take that thing, and especially if it moves you in a new direction, and take action on it. Get curious about what might happen, and let that curiosity lead your next steps. Get curious about what might happen if you take action and let that curiosity lead your next steps rather than letting your fear or your doubt take the lead. I almost did. I almost didn't sign up for the class. And then I decided that the payoff was going to be worth it and that it was time for me to stretch. Because often you know you're ready to stretch when you're feeling a little bit restless or bored. And I was feeling stuck. And that's how I knew that it was time to kind of take that risk. And I know that I can do it and that you can as well. And if networking is a comfort zone stretch, I want to circle back to what I shared before the interview, and that's a reminder to check out the upcoming Virtual Networking for Introverts events. You'll find that it's a perfect way to sharpen your networking skills while meeting great people at the same time. You can find complete information and registration at theintrovertentrepreneur.com slash virtual networking introverts. And that link is also in the show notes. One of the things that Andy Malinsky has written about in addition to his work on comfort zones is about stretching your comfort zone when it comes to different cultural situations. And in addition to his book, which is also linked in the show notes, I um, recommend that you check out the work of Kate Brubaker, who has also been a past podcast guest. Um, she is the owner of Small Planet Studio, and she works with people who have traveled abroad or lived abroad and are coming back home, a process that um, she refers to as re-entry, and might be struggling a bit, and you want to make it less stressful 
and more enjoyable and bring more of your experience from being abroad back to home. So it seems like a perfect connecting point to some of Andy's other work around being comfortable in different cultural kinds of situations. So I will include that link to Kate and Small Planet Studio in the program show notes and wanted to make sure you knew about that resource. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast or about anything else uh, regarding The Introvert Entrepreneur, I invite you to post them as comments on this post at theintrovertentrepreneur.com, to share them on Facebook or Twitter, or email me directly at beth at theintrovertentrepreneur.com. I welcome your reviews on iTunes, and if you haven't already picked up my book, The Introvert Entrepreneur, you'll be glad to know that it is available through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and wherever fine books are sold. And I've said this before, and I want to say it again, I wrote the book for you. Uh, So I hope that you will consider picking up a copy for yourself or for someone else who could use that injection of introvert entrepreneur inspiration and energy and strategy. Thank you so much to Paul Messing, my podcast producer, and to my assistant Naja for the episode show notes. And a big thank you to you for joining me for this time. It has been wonderful to share it with you. This is Beth Below of The Introvert Entrepreneur. And until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job. <laughs>